Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. So the past few weeks we've been talking about being unashamed. It's our theme in going through the end of the year, and that's based on Romans 1, 16 and 17. I encourage you to memorize that, how many have. Put you on the spot, didn't I? <laughs> One person, and he don't count because he's memorized the entire Bible. <laughs> Romans 1, 16 and 17, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Greek. Verse 17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. That's been our theme, talking about being unashamed of the gospel. And we're going through that word unashamed, using it as an acronym. Today, we're on the letter H. But forgot. We're on the letter H. H stands for, get this, heaven bound. Heaven bound. Because I love this life. I do. I love so many. I love my family. I love uh, good food. I love so many things about life. But as much as I love this life and the people in it, and, and as much as I love the ministry, guys, this world's not my home. We're merely passing through on our way to somewhere much better, I hope, is, is your case. And we'll talk about that this morning. I would add as much, and you all know this, as much as I love being an American citizen, as much as I love our freedom and our great nation, we have a citizenship that is so much greater than we will ever encounter in this world. And through Christ, we have freedom so much greater than we will ever have in this lifetime. I want to look this morning, if you've got your Bibles, at Philippians chapter 3. And I encourage you to, to look at it in your Bible. If not, it'll be on the screen. But Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 21. I tried to narrow this down as much as I could, but I'm just telling you, Paul's got so much good stuff in here. We're going to look at a lot of Bible this morning. But let's read... Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 21. To give you a little bit of background, most people agree that this passage of Scripture was written sometime after our verses there in Romans. They actually believe, most people do, that Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi while under house arrest in Rome. And he writes, let's begin in verse 10. During the latter years of his life, probably the last five years or so of his life, Paul says... My goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I've already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Thank God He took hold of me too, Paul. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many, as we talked about with Miss Ann, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They're focused on earthly things. Get this. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject everything to Himself. Let's pray before we get started. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, for allowing us the freedom to come here this morning and worship You. And God, as we look at the words from Scripture, God, I pray that it pierces our heart and draws us closer to You. In Jesus' name, Amen. So I want to give you some context here because context is important. Paul is writing in the context, really, of his own testimony that he begins to share in the early part of chapter 3. In the early part of the chapter, Paul dives into all these reasons, really, that he should be allowed into heaven. He begins to list all the good things, all these qualifications and the, the many great things he's done, all the reasons that he should have confidence in his religion. But then he says... In comparison to knowing Christ, I consider all of that stuff dung. A bunch of duty is what he says in the Greek vernacular. It's all worthless. It's done nothing for me in God's sight. Only faith in Christ has saved my soul. See, this is how the, the cross of Christ is the great equalizer of men. I want to explain that for a minute. All of my fellow gun enthusiasts probably heard this quote, God made man, Sam Colt made men equal, and then we added John Browning kept men free. Paul would agree with part of that. He would say God made man, the cross has made man equal, and Christ has set men free. And what I mean by that when I say the cross makes you equal, you see it's at the foot of the cross of Christ that, that all men, all women, all people must come whether you're righteous like Paul was or you're a sinful Gentile like all of us are and, and, and you come before the cross of Christ equally sinful and guilty in God's sight. And it's at the, the cross in that moment that you must make the choice. Either I'm going to accept Christ and choose freedom in Christ by faith, or I'm going to choose to remain sinful just as I am, and as Paul says, an enemy of the cross of Jesus Christ. And that choice, folks, as we'll see this morning, has eternal consequences. So going through our passage, the first thing that Paul teaches us is that we're expected to live for the future. A lot of us like to live for the moment. 
Matter of fact, modern psychology teaches us methods today of how to avoid even thinking about the future. Why even worry about it? Let's, let's focus on, on today and not deal with all the concerns and the worry of what tomorrow may hold. Man, Jesus taught us the remedy for this 2,000 years ago. He called it faith. It's through faith that we can entrust God with our future. Now, I'm not saying, don't, don't take me wrong, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be present and be focused and engaged with the people that God has placed in your life right now. You should be. But I think as Christians, especially above anybody else, we should be focused and concerned with the future. I look at our priorities of time like this. The past is last, the present is second, and the future is first. Why? Well, because that's where we're all headed. Whether you like it or not, you don't believe me? Wait just a minute. You made it. <laughs> it is going to keep on going. We are all headed into the future. Whether you, you want to or you don't want to, it's coming. Paul says here in verse 13, he says, I forget what's behind. I forget my past, the good and the bad. I forget it and I reach forward to what is ahead. He says, I'm pressing forward to the future. I'm, I'm straining towards that future goal, toward that prize. I'm heaven bound, in other words. And, and although there's plenty of work to be done right now, and I think Paul's a really good example of, of, of understanding that although we're heaven bound, man, there's a lot of work that we need to, to do right now. We don't just sit around and wait for heaven to get here. But, he, but still, in spite of all the work and all the sharing the gospel and all the ministry and all the good stuff, Paul says, I press forward, in verse 14, in pursuit of my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Now, what's the goal? It's heaven and then some. <laughs> and I'll explain that a little bit. Here's, I want to get into some teaching that we don't talk about enough in the church anymore. I love heaven. I love singing about heaven. I love thinking about heaven. I love the idea of spending all of eternity with Jesus, my Savior, and, and getting reunited with all those wonderful saints that have already gone ahead of us. I, I love that. And I get excited about it. But we've got to understand, now hear me closely, heaven as we know it today is not our eternal home. Let me explain. Because I knew I'd get some weird looks on this. So you're thinking, are the Christians that have died? Are they in heaven now? Are they with the Lord? Absolutely. Absolutely. The Bible makes it very clear to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Paul will go on to teach even in, in, in Thessalonians chapter 4 that when Christ does return, that those saints are coming with Him. They can't come with Him if they're not with Him now. And so, yes, they are, they are with God in heaven, but we have very few passages of Scripture that deal with Heaven as it exists right now. Now you're thinking about, well, what about all these streets of gold? What about these walls of jasper and all these great, beautiful things that we read about and we hear about? It's in the Bible, yes. But when we read about those things, it's not talking about heaven today. It's talking about a new heaven and a new earth. A city John calls the New Jerusalem. And I think it's going to be even better than the heaven that we've got right now. We don't talk enough about this. And many people have a, a lot of misunderstandings about it. But you see, in the future, 
John the Revelator makes it clear in Revelation 21, there is coming a new heaven and a new earth. This great city, and he says, the, the old heaven and the old earth pass away. And then somehow, I don't know how God's going to do it. He's a lot smarter than, than all of us. But John says, I saw the new heaven coming, the new city coming down out of heaven from God. And that's going to be our eternal home. And John says this about that place. He says, it is here that God will dwell with humanity. It's what God wanted from the very beginning, just like in the Garden of Eden. And the Bible says that we will be His people. And He will be our God. And get this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. And so I say that the heaven and then some that Paul's pressing towards is not just this glorious city. It's not just uh, floating around on clouds. It's, it, 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 it's as he says in verse 10... It's also the resurrection. My goal, he says, is to know Him and the power of His resurrection. Why? Because if Jesus Christ raised from the dead after three days, guess what? We get to be raised too. More on that in a minute. But for now, we live for the future. We live in light of what the future holds. That one day Christ is coming back and God's going to make everything new. That's something to get excited about. It's the blessed hope that as Christians that we have of a hope of eternal life because of what Christ has done for us. Now what does that mean today? Practically. Well, it means that no matter what today looks like, no matter how hard it may be or how good it may be, I know I'm okay because in Christ my future is secure. It means no matter what my past looks like, as Paul would say, I can forget it because my future with Christ is secure. It means no matter what heartache that I may go through, and you will go through some heartache in this life, but no matter what heartache or pain you go through, no matter what happens to this old body, if, my, if man destroys my body, if sickness riddles my body, if death kills my physical body, I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be sad and be hopeless because I have a home waiting for me. Christ Himself said that He was going to prepare for us a place where we can come and be with Him also. Now that's, that's wonderful. That's good news. We should get excited about that. But here's the bad news. Paul would also teach us that everyone's future is not the same. We're all going to the future. Back to the future. But not everyone's future is going to look the same. Heaven is possible for everyone, thanks to Jesus. But it's not for everyone. And this broke Paul's heart. Even at the, near the end of his life, Paul sheds tears over the loss. He says in verse 18, For I've often told you, and now say again with tears that many live as the enemies of the cross of Christ. There are many people that are going to come before Christ's cross. They're going to recognize their sin and recognize their guilt. And instead of turning to Christ for whatever reason, they're going to remain an enemy of the cross of Christ. 
Now, many will teach that they're going to get another chance someday, that a loving God ain't going to let all them lost people go to hell. But notice what the Bible says in verse 19. Paul says their end is destruction. Their God is not God our Father, but it's their stomach, their appetites, their flesh. Their glory is in their shame, for they are focused on earthly things. Folks, the Word of God is abundantly clear that the alternative to a future in heaven with God is a future in hell with the enemies of God. No other option. Heaven's not for everybody. It's the most exclusive place that's ever existed. There's only one way in, and that's through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Your parents' faith will not get you into heaven. Your wife or your husband's faith won't get you into heaven. Your good deeds, as Paul listed in Philippians 3, won't get you into heaven. Your generosity and giving all this money to all these good things, that won't get you into heaven. It's not going to be weighed in the balance. Getting uh, Coming to church, guess what? That won't even get you into heaven. Being a church member and having your name on our little roll is not going to get you into heaven. Only faith in the blood, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is going to get you into heaven. And, amen. And too many people refuse to accept this free gift that God offers. Now, I think that's another reason that as Christians we need to live for the future. We see the need. We see the lostness. How many billions, how many people right here in our own families need a relationship with Jesus Christ? And Brian's going to talk more about that next week, about being aware of the lostness around us. If we live for the future... And we understand what's at stake, heaven or hell. Man, we should be doing everything we can in our ability to tell people the truth of the gospel and share Jesus with folks. The, the truth says that even if you are lost, even if you're here this morning and you walk through that door lost, on your way to hell, an enemy of the cross of Christ. The gospel says that God will accept you today, not because of what you've done or what you bring with you, but because of what Christ has done for you on Calvary's cross. And you can leave here saved and heaven-bound this morning. If your future is not secured already, it needs to be because... Sooner or later, one of two things is going to happen. And when they do, it's too late. We tend to think that physical death, the, the death of our body, is the only doorway to eternity. But there's another doorway to eternity, and that's what Paul had in mind when he wrote these words in Philippians chapter 3. And that wasn't physical death, that was the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hate to break it to Paul, but we're a lot closer today than he was 2,000 years ago. To Christ coming back. We live for the future. We understand that everyone's future is not the same. And the last thing is that we wait for the Savior. Now I know some people don't like waiting. I won't mention no names, but my wife <laughs> is a very patient lady. But we grow impatient. We don't like to wait. But notice what Paul says in verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly, eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, our citizenship is in heaven. We're reaching towards the future, not only death and what happens after that, but, but even if we do die, we are eagerly waiting for 
the Savior. We are waiting for Paul. For Paul. Don't care about Paul. We're waiting for Jesus to come back. It's obvious that Paul is talking about the second coming of Christ. At this point, when Paul's writing, Jesus has already come once. He's died on the cross. He's risen from the grave. He's ascended back to the Father. And Paul says, our Savior's coming again. And he talks about what will happen when he returns. And notice what he says here. He says, he will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself, that resurrection power. He says Christ is coming back. And when he does, our bodies will be transformed from what they are just to be like Jesus' glorified body. I think the body he had when he stepped out of that grave on the third day. In Thessalonians, Paul would go on to tell us that when Christ comes back, that the, the dead, those who have already passed away, they will rise first. And, and somehow, again, I don't know how God does it, but He's going to, I believe, reunite soul with body into this glorified body. And, and then Paul says in 1 Corinthians, get, you put it all together, he says those of us who remain, that means that they're still alive, guess what? They will be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. Gosh, I can't wait to see God do some of these tricks. And then he says, and then we'll be with the Lord forever. In the new heaven, in the new earth, that place John calls the new Jerusalem. God's city. God's dwelling place. So what does all this mean for us today? The biggest thing that it means for us is death does not have the final say in our story. Today we're going to gather around and celebrate the life of one of our own. But death is not the end. Phil Robertson says, Jesus offers us a way out of here alive. We get to get off this old planet alive, even if we die. <laughs> it means that we have something to look forward to, church. It means that we have something that we can get excited about that transcends this life. It transcends even time itself. And that even when we do lose a loved one, and we lose someone that we care about deeply, we can have peace. Even in those moments, we can have joy. We can be thankful and look forward to a day not just when we get to be in heaven too, but a day when Christ our King returns and makes all things new. I can't even begin to wrap my mind around that. But He's coming back. And when He does, <laughs> I told some guys on the porch this morning, we was talking about an old song, I said, when He does, when He comes through, the, if I'm dead, boys, there ain't no grave going to hold Tyler Shields down. Don't make me sing it. I'll sing it. Some of the best theology ever written in a song. There ain't no grave going to hold Tom Patterson down, man. It just ain't going to happen. Death's been defeated. Isn't that awesome? Death itself has been defeated. Paul would say this in another passage. He'd say, he would ask the question, and he'd say, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, 
is your victory. Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Here you go. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. As we close this morning, I just want to ask you a couple of questions based on what we've talked about this morning. And the first one is, do you have the assurance of that victory today? You see, they could lay me in the ground this afternoon, man, and I wouldn't think nothing else about it. Because I know where I'm going. I have that peace and that assurance through Christ in my heart. And I'm excited. If He stepped through the clouds this afternoon, gosh, I couldn't wait. (laughs) But what about you? Can you say that with confidence? That you eagerly wait to see your Savior. If you do have that, like Ann said, are you telling others? Are you telling the lost people in your life how they can get to heaven too? If you don't have that assurance today, if you're not so sure about your future, if you maybe you are sure, and you can flat out say, because I've asked people this before, if you know you died and you'd go to hell today, why don't you come and get saved? You don't have to do that. You don't have to spend eternity away from God. You can be heaven bound this afternoon through Jesus Christ. Stand with us this morning. We're going to sing a song of invitation. Father, I thank you, Lord, first and foremost for the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we had nothing, nothing to offer you. And yet you allowed your son to die in our place so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have eternal life, that we wouldn't have to be cut off from God. Lord, that we could spend eternity not only with you, God, but with all of these wonderful people in our lives that have passed on, that had a relationship with them too. Father, the problem though is that there's so many, as Paul said, that are still an enemy. But they don't have to be, Lord. God, your gospel makes it clear. If people would just come to you and accept this free gift of salvation, they they don't have to bring anything with them. Just come as they are, God. They could be saved today. And God, if there's someone here this morning or there's someone listening online, God, that needs a relationship with Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that you speak to their heart and your spirit would convict them and draw them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.